welcome to Scaling the Summit, Radio Gold Style. Your host, Charity Bryan and Sandra K. Sims. I am your technical director, Ginger Aaron Brush. Let's get started. Welcome to Scaling the Summit. We are Radio Gold. I'm Charity Bryan and my co-host is Sandra Sims. Buddy, what is going on in the Magic City today? It cannot get any prettier than it is right now. It is a fall day and it's beautiful. We need to be outside. I'm inside right now, but I'm about ready to click off and go outside because it is so awesome. But you know where we should be right now? Where? The golf course. Yes, yes. Yes. Anywhere outside. Anywhere. Yes. And you know another place that we might like to be right now? Where? Charlotte, North Carolina. Do you want to know why? I need to know. Because, A, it's a beautiful place. We've been there before. We had great fun. Yes, yes, we did. And C, our very special guest today is Dave Ballar from UNC Charlotte. Dave, welcome to Radio Gold. How are you? I am great. It's an honor to join you today. Well, listen, trust me, the honor is ours. If I were you, I wouldn't be quite as honored. But we are very honored to have you on the show. And we are so excited to talk to you today. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. And I will say I would I would also be outside today, too. It is a <laughs> lovely fall day in Charlotte. A little bit brisk in the morning, oh. but it's turning out beautiful this afternoon. Yep. We like brisk, buddy. Brisk is good for us. Brisk. Brisk, brisk is awesome. Brisk is one of our favorite temperatures. Big girl, big girl here. That's exactly yep, right. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly right. All right, buddy. Well, listen, I want to be sure everybody knows Dave as well as we do. So I'm going to introduce him. And Dave is currently the UNC Charlotte Department of Applied Physiology, Health and Clinical Sciences, founding chair and professor. That's very cool. Founding chair and professor. He has a bachelor of science degree in biology and life science chemistry from John Carroll University, a master of science in secondary education from John Carroll University, and his PhD in exercise physiology from Kent State. He has also served as director of the Human Performance Lab in the School of Kinesiology at UL Lafayette. He was also director of the School of Kinesiology at University of Louisiana Lafayette. He served there as well as a volunteer track and field coach. He's been a sports scientist for the National Olympic Committee of Romania, a member of the National Strength and Conditioning Association. He's also served on the executive committee for coaching education with USA Track and Field, He's been a contributing editor of the Louisiana AFERD Journal, the research chair for Southern District AFERD, a state program director for Louisiana with the National Strength and Conditioning Association, vice chair of the executive committee on coaching education with USA Track and Field, a board of director for the American Kinesiology Association, and buddy, I threw this one in myself, this last one, a kids on the go program co-developer which provided direction to a joint project between the University of Louisiana at Lafayette and Women and Children's Hospital in Lafayette. It's a shameless, selfless plug because Dave and I got to work on that together. And for those of you that don't know, it's Kids on the Go, G-E-A-U-X, which is Louisiana for G-O, in case anybody, buddy, if you were confused. And, you know, and I'm, I'm telling you, you Louisiana people, you, you, you want to change. I know. You change uh, things, know. but it is good. And I'm glad you threw that little, that little bit in. That's awesome. But here's what I want to talk about about Dave. Dave, this is an impressive resume for, for somebody so young. Now, here's the deal. I'm an old girl here, and you have done so much in such a very short window already. 
in your life. And I think my understanding is you're Ohio man, you know, been hanging there. Is that correct? Ohio? No, I, was, What's, I was actually, I was actually born outside of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, okay. Well, I thought that my friend set me up and she does this every now and then. Buddy, she, I, you knew I, this. I, no, no, I, I just, he went to school in Ohio. Okay. He said, but he said, I, I mean, said, you're an Ohio allowed, man. He's allowed to be born somewhere else. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. I did. I did all of my college in Ohio. And okay, I have great well, I, I Ohio, great state okay. of Ohio, but I'm a, okay. I'm a Michigander. Okay, I am so sorry. I do not want to hurt any state. We've got it. We've got to give a shout out to Michigan. Way to go! But I believe Ohio stole you and do, did something there because you're you you hung out there for a bit. Mm-hmm. You are. You tell me about your growing up years and possibly maybe this John Carroll Kent State. I mean, you've, you moved around a little bit there. So why don't sure. you give us a, give us a kind of a, I don't know, a little bit better than our bullets that we start off with. Give us a little bit about you. So uh, I grew up and, and my father worked for General Motors and we moved around quite a bit. Uh, we uh, spent a, a good amount of time in Michigan and several different cities, but moved overseas. With, um, my father worked for GM Finance Europe for a while. So we lived in, in the Paris area for about four years while I was growing up. Mm. Don't ask me to speak French because that, okay. that was a long time ago now. <laughs> um, it, it helped a little bit when I moved to Louisiana. By a little bit, I mean... Oh, I see. I got <laughs> um, At least I could recognize some of the name structure a little, you know, as, as we were down there. But um, so, I, you know, I, I finished up high school. I was a track and field athlete. Um, and... We had a visitor from John Carroll University came to our high school, sat down and started meeting with students. And uh, he connected me with a track coach at John Carroll. And uh, we had a nice conversation. I had a couple other places I was visiting, but I don't know, John Carroll just kind of felt like home. Uh, something drew me to that kind of small liberal arts type program initially. Uh, and, uh, and so off I went. And I did four years there, majored in biology and chemistry. And uh, I didn't really honestly know what I was going to do after that, just being frankly honest with you. And uh, I talked to a lot of my students about this, too, when they come in and say, hey, Doc, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And, and I can clearly say to them, well, I, when I was your age, I didn't either. Um, so uh, at the time, I was our head track coach was the was an old gruff gentleman named Coach Mann. Uh, he had been a famous, you know, very famous high school coach in Ohio and had kind of decided to retire into this position at, at John Carroll to, to help revitalize the track and field program there. And I had him as a coach for the last two years. And he, he was a, a physical education teacher and, and a coach at Cleveland Heights High School before he moved on to John Carroll. Um, and uh, he grabbed me by the collar one day when I was heading down the stairs and said, hey, Malar. I was like, yeah, you coach, because, you know, he was the type of guy that when he grabbed you by the collar, you'd either he either wanted to tell you something great or you had done something incredibly stupid. And at that time, I couldn't quite figure out what I could have done that was that dumb. And so I was hoping I was going to, you know, have a good conversation with him. And he said, I got you a job. I said, oh, okay, thank you. I, I wasn't necessarily looking for that, but, uh, but he, he got me a coaching job at Beachwood High, uh, Beachwood High School in, in Ohio, working underneath a former coach of his, uh, Coach Smith. And he said, I know you're trying to figure out what you're doing, but I want you to go over there and I want you to, to start coaching with this team. And I think it's going to help you figure it out. Uh, and lo and behold, he was right. Um, and, and to be honest with you, he was an incredibly intelligent man uh, and, and, you know, really helped me in my formative years quite a bit. Um, so I went off to, to start coaching 
And when I was in the school there, I started to, you know, catch the bug. And, um, you know, I have a, I have a, you know, a lot of my extended family members, teachers, um, my uncle, uh, Jim Gall has been a physical education teacher. He's retired now, but he was a physical education teacher for well over 30 years in the Westerville school district in Ohio. And, uh, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I, I've enjoyed coaching this team here, but I'm going to go back, get my master's degree, uh, you know, entry level, get licensed, and, um, and I'm going to start teaching. Uh, and so that's what I did. Nice. Um, but, uh, you know, and then uh, there's sort of a gap there, which uh, leads me over to, to Kent State University. But I eventually decided I was going to come out of uh, teaching in high school and, and go back and get a Ph.D. And, uh uh, I uh, was grabbed sort of again by uh, a mentor, Ellen Glickman, and she kind of pulled me into the PhD program there at Kent State. Now I'm interested. How long did you stay high school coaching? I was so I coached for uh, two seasons at Beachwood High School, and then I was at uh, St. Peter Chanel High School for five years, which was not too far away. And so you were teaching, you were teaching science and being a track track and field coach. Is that correct? I was teaching anything the principal told me I was oh, going to teach. Oh, so um, anything. You want to share with us all the different things you were teaching? Oh, sure. Yeah, it was it was a typical kind of small <laughs> private high school setting where I walk, you sort of signed up for the job and you walked into the principal's office on day one and then they told you what the real job was. Oh. Um, okay. So I, um, I, I was hired to be the biology teacher, which I did do for one year. Uh, but I ended up teaching biology, chemistry, physics, and math. That's in some level, you know, capacity there. Wow. Um, and uh, on day one, he told me that they needed a track, they needed a head cross country coach. And, and basically the decision was you're it. Um, it wasn't really much of a discussion. It was more of like, you know, hey, this, this is now you too. Um, and so I actually started off as a head cross country coach. I was an assistant track coach. The second year I was a high school teacher, I took over as the head track and field coach. Wow. Okay, so right out of the gate, you just, you said, I'll do that. Yeah, that sounds, okay, that sounds kind of crazy, but it apparently, it's, it's led you to great things. When you're looking at, I think for me, I absolutely love coaching. Uh, tell me a little bit about what, was there something there in, in your high school that you, kind of an experience in that high school experience that you really enjoyed in that high school coaching element? So I will say, um, I, I moved high schools halfway through. So I started off my high school um, education at Novell High School, which is in Saginaw, Michigan, which is a little itty bitty town. Uh, and then I transitioned to a much larger high school in Birmingham, Michigan, which is, you know, outside of Detroit. And I didn't really have a lot of focus on, as an athlete. I was kind of on the track team, but I didn't really have an event. Um, and my uncle, who was a track and field coach, said, you know, hey, you ought to really think about throwing the discus and, and the shot put, because I think out of everything in track and field, you'll probably be better at that. Um, and I think that was mostly a product of him watching me try and do some of the other events and just realizing that it wasn't going well. <laughs> um, so I really wanted to be good at it. I was kind of tired of you know, not doing well. And, and so in between my junior and senior year, I bought my own shot put and discus. I bought a college implement, which was heavier than the high school implement. And I walked outside in the snow every day in Birmingham, Michigan, shoveled off the rings and did my own practices. 
And uh, because of that, I went from the JV squad to being one of the top throwers on the varsity squad the next year, and then ultimately on to John Carroll, where I continued. But I think the head nice. track coach at the time at, at Brother Rice High School in Birmingham looked, just thought there was this crazy kid out there. I mean, it, they probably thought I was kind of a pain to deal with because I was out there throwing stuff every day, shoveling snow. But, um, you know, it, it paid off for me in the end. Um, and I will say, knowing what I know now, probably not how I would have structured that approach. But, um, you know, I, I, it was a formative moment for me. It taught me a lot about just kind of personal perseverance and hard work. I think that's wonderful. And I, there's nothing like high school coaching. And honestly, with you being able to have that experience, and then your high school coaching experience. What a what a way to get started in your career. So thanks for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. Hey, Bonnie, I, hey. I, I know that, I know this won't surprise you at all, but I just want to throw in that uh, my my track career was about two weeks. Oh. in the in the sixth grade. Oh, I missed yeah. that one. Yeah, you well, it was a brief. That? I mean, it was a brief, brief little, brief little time. That yeah, maybe, been too maybe I should have. You should have held well, that one. You know, maybe uh, I should have done like Dave and found like a discus or a shot put or something. Maybe there was okay. something better that. For me than running but anyway okay thank you for uh, sharing that so, with us yeah absolutely so dave shifting gears a little bit you know in your professional career you have been a leader at at really every level at everything you've done everywhere you've been and now we are so excited because you uh, are joining us in this awesome journey with the national academy of health and physical literacy as the co-editor of the nahpl journal and we are so fired up you know last week we had on the show uh, your other co-editor and that is our friend Larry Judge so that was really cool what is it that kind of excites you about this new organization so number one I think it's always exciting when something is sort of at its formation uh, watching it evolve watching it grow and then being part of that I also think you know, when you come into a new organization there's a lot more opportunity to give and make an impact than in sort of a larger existing organization uh, and so I, I think that's really exciting I, i've always also thought that there was a place for the summit um, and i was so excited when i saw that launch um, you know unfortunately i moved i was sort of moving from louisiana to charlotte during the first round of that and then there was covid and you know so i'm, I'm really looking forward to being there this year um, but I, I think that's really exciting. And I think, you know, the, the journal was also, ex, you know, very exciting too. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, Larry Judge has been a mentor to me my whole career and is, you know, one of my best friends in the whole world. So any opportunity I get to work with Larry on something, I'm all in. Yeah, he, he is a great guy. And I really enjoy getting to know him better uh, these last, you know, few months. It's the two of you together are jam up. And I got to say, I'm really excited about the editorial board. We have really locked in some great folks. There are some, there is an extreme amount of talent on that, that board. Um, yeah, that was sort of a wish list when we put it together. And it was just so exciting when, you know, one by one, everyone agreed and was excited to join as a, as part of the editorial board. So it, it's really a dream team. Yeah, it really is. So what are you most looking forward to as co-editor of the journal? So I've done editorial work for other journals um, in the, you know, and, and I currently am, you know, uh, serving in some editorial capacity for other journals. But I think the thing that's different uh, and really exciting 
is again the opportunity to build it from the ground up. Um, you know, there's there you know there's things that you don't think about when you're you know already in an existing editorial structure um, that you have to think about in this role. Um, you know, creating a website, creating aim and scope, just just going through sort of the you know all the stuff that's already there when you join an existing right. journal, uh, and working with that same editorial board to pass ideas around and. Um, you know, talk about direction, strategy, talk about the creation of these value statements. I, I think it's just incredibly exciting. I know Larry and I touch base about the journal fairly frequently, mm -hmm. you know, at least twice a morning during the, you know, twice a week during the morning commute in. Um, and I think both of us just relish the opportunity to, to take something from the ground and, and watch it grow and, and watch it get filled. Yeah, that's really cool. What can we uh, tell our listeners to expect from the journal in 2022? So uh, what we can expect in 2022, we will uh, have two issues launched. Uh, the first one's going to be uh, a series of invited papers that we're working on right now. Um, so that one will be kind of a closed submission process, but it'll be issue one. Uh, and um, we're going to have the, the formation, the white paper that started the entire academy. It's going to be one of our highlights of that particular issue. Uh, and then you know, after that, we're going to go live. We're going to launch uh, the open submission process and trigger the editorial board and the review process and watch the whole machine work. And, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, we'll have a little bumps and bruises along the way as all new processes do, but we're going to have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we're going to send out a lot of information to people. And, you know, we hope to, ex you know, we hope to hear from people in the academy, outside of the academy with interest in the journal. Uh, but we're just really looking forward to, having those two issues go live, you know, on the website and promoting the journal and uh, just seeing all the interesting papers that come in. Awesome. Well, we can't wait, buddy. Uh, you know, that white paper is a riveting read. Yes, it is. It is. Wow. It is must read TV. No, must read something. We, we hope, yeah. we hope that it's going to be, we work anyway, very hard, very is. hard on that. You know, Dave, this is interesting because Charity would talked a lot about you, you and Larry and on different conferences, different different executive, when we're doing our, our board of directors meetings. And I'm going to be honest with you. She was so high on y'all. And I, I listened and I'm going, okay, I don't know who these guys are, but I'm going to be honest with you. From the little window that I've already had a chance to see your work and what you've already brought forward in such a short time. And then of course, meeting both of you on the podcast. It's been amazing to watch that every, that she actually told the truth this time. You know, she, she doesn't, Oh, I'm sorry, uh, buddy. Oh, buddy, oh, I, well, oh, I meant when, when have I ever not told you the you, truth? Well, there's a few times you really messed really? up. Really? Yes. Oh, I can't night. wait to hear more. Okay, can't, we'll do that off, 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 offline. Mm -hmm. But here's what I'm going to say, Dave. This is the key is this has been amazing to watch and to, to really see your y'all's thought processes and how quickly you've been able to form. And, and I can see now why she should have should have named y'all the dy dynamic duo, because truly. I do believe that we're in great hands and I'm real excited. I can't wait to see that uh, that first edition. I think it's going to be awesome. Now, I do know that you two are speaking at the summit. And we're going to, in February, we're going to be at the summit and I know you're going to be speaking. So, it, and I think you two kind of work together. You want to give us kind of a, a quick glimpse at what maybe somebody who would want to come to the summit might want to come and see this dynamic duo and a session. Sure. So uh, the session at the summit we're planning um, is sort of the hype up session for the journal. So Larry and I are going to going to do our best. Um, 
to, to sort of uh, frame out the journal for anybody who wants to be there. Um, but again, our goal is to, is to really drum up interest in this um, and, uh, you know, talk about the, talk about the, the editorial board, talk about the, the mission of the journal, the, you know, how it fits into the organization, but um, that's, we're, we're there to promote, um, and we're going to put on our best high energy, uh, you know, presentation that we, that we can muster up uh, and get the word out about that journal, but uh, we'll also, you know, be there to answer questions and talk with people. The one thing that I think that's most critical for both Larry and I is that everybody that would walk in the door at the summit, and everybody who's connected in some capacity to the disciplines represented by the academy feels like that journal is a home mm. for their work. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's what we want. That's what we really want to hit home at the summit is, is that this is, you know, a, a journal for all It is broadly focused. And, you know, we're here to work with you to highlight your scholarship uh, and not just original research, but scholarship of practice. We have a lot of different plans on different types of papers that we're going to take in. Uh, and so our, our goal was to let everyone know that, hey, this journal is a home for your work. Like, you know, let us be your home and, and I, make I think everybody that's what, comfortable. I, and I think that that's what is so special is that that's what makes this so unique is that some, sometimes people don't feel like that this, that a journal that they could even, I mean, they might read it, but they don't feel like that they're a part of that. Mm -hmm. I love that y'all, it's like this welcome mat <laughs> and it's going to be a place that's going to welcome and it's going to be for every reader, everybody's going to want to pick it up. I can't imagine it. It's just going to be a blockbuster. So I cannot wait uh, to, to be at your session, but I also can't wait to see what this little, this jewel, honestly, mm -hmm. is going to be such an, a moving. And I do think it's going to make a huge piece um, to move our profession to even better than where we are. I'm now. just, I'm excited. We have a website now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. It, it, there's not a whole lot on it right now, but I mean, if you, it, the website actually exists and, right. um, you know, it, it, it's just exciting to watch this step-by-step -step grow. Um, and, uh, you know, just, you know, Larry and I are just checking off boxes every week. Like, you know, what's the, you know, what's the task for this week, check off a box and, um, you know, for, for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of meeting Larry, if you're listening on the call, the man has a limitless energy, mm. just limitless, um, you know, three o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, firing off emails, getting things done. And I, I love to work with him on things because it's fast paced, but it's hyper productive. And, uh, you know, again, he just, he just brings that energy and enthusiasm. And he gets it so, done, right? Mm -hmm. hey, oh, he, he said, yeah. that's what he said. He said, it's real important. You just, when you start it, you finish it. And that, yeah. to be honest with you. From my perspective, looking at from this side where we just get reports from y'all, I am amazed with what you've been able to do in this very short window. So as we're starting off, we're in great hands. And so I really want to say kudos to both you and Larry for what y'all are doing. And I know it's going to bring great benefits to our members, but also just to the profession as a whole. Hey, Dave, Dave real quick, yep. for your high energy session in Birmingham, if you think it would be helpful, I mean, Sandra and I could probably do like maybe some kind of interpretive dance with the white paper. Okay. I mean, if you, if you think Dave. that would be part of the Dave. high energy, Dave, don't, we don't, can, Dave, don't, don't say yes. Don't, don't, I think we yes. can do that. Dave, she does. Right. It. We, she tries to find a way to get us to do some dance show. And Dave, I need to share with you. I'm not a dancer. And I, I don't think, know. I nope. think they would just, just nope. pack the room, buddy. We would like it to be successful oh. and we need to back out. No, no, no. Dave, just give it some thought, okay? Okay, thank you, we Dave. Know that we'll, we'll get, don't listen. 
Don't listen to her. I know she's your we'll, friend. We'll go with maybe for the moment on that. Okay. We'll okay. Put I'm that a, in the consideration. I'm, oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Well, I have another question. I'm going to get us back on topic uh, because my friend likes to to somehow get us skewed off a little bit. You have been involved with a lot of different workshops, conferences. Professional development is a critical piece for our world and, and our profession. And I know that you've had some great ones. And we know the summit's going to be a great place. But I'm interested. There's, there's these stories that no matter where, where we are, we can go back and have great memories of something that happened at a conference. So I'm interested. Do you have any uh, professional development story that just is one of those, something you could tell us that you don't mind sharing with our listeners that just? Well, I think, I mean, first and foremost, I think that being at conferences and meeting people and talking to other academics uh, and, and other people in the discipline is the way that people evolve and grow. And I know that we've all been hungry for that recently. Um, and I am not the world's most technologically uh, adept individual. And so the whole virtual conference thing for me, um, not, a, you know, not, not that great of an experience. <laughs> um, you know, I think the first, um, a couple of them, uh, one, the very first uh, uh, Louisiana AFER that I went to, was really a cool experience. Um, you know, I, 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 the charity will attest to this. And uh, when I first moved to Louisiana, I, you know, I tend to be fairly introverted. So I, I for like the first six months in the department there in Louisiana, I, I kind of kept to myself a little bit. I wasn't super talkative, um, but I, I, I did attend the, the Louisiana A for the first, uh, you know, first semester I was there. And um, it got me the chance to actually talk with not only some people in the department, but some people that I would get to know that I still talk to today. Um, so uh, I can't remember whether it was that Louisiana Aford or a subsequent one, but I met Dan Hollander from Southeast, uh, Eastern Louisiana. I met um, uh, Lainey Dornier. I met a bunch of different people that uh, you know were there and, and were contemporaries in Louisiana. It was really helpful for me to network with those people. Uh, so that was really a, a neat experience. The second one was when um, I attended my first American Kinesiology Association meeting where uh, it was when the group was fairly young. I was sort of a new chair um, and I met a lot of individuals there that I've reached out to over the years to, to sort of help me along the way as I've navigated the you know kind of tricky nuances of, of being an administrator. But isn't that what's special? And I think that that's what we miss with you know, with it being, and, and I love that we've been able to go ahead and go on with live, I mean, with uh, internet access and, and doing things through the Zoom and whatever we've got to do, but there's nothing like seeing face-to-face -face and meeting somebody and making what you said, that networking was huge. And mm -hmm. so uh, professional development, there's nothing, we love being in that room and gathering new information, but a lot of the things that went on between sessions, after sessions were over, that's when there were some really powerful uh, connections happening that really, like you said, are lifelong uh, connections that, you, that you're still hanging on to. So. Mm -hmm. Hey, buddy, I probably should have said this in the beginning, and I know you get real nervous when I go off script. All but the time. In the spirit of full disclosure, I hired Dave at UL Lafayette in 2009. So I'm just going to say, I think I have an eye for talent, you know, obviously. Um, so I hired Dave. He came to Lafayette with his wife and young daughter who was in a stroller when they first got to Lafayette. Dave came in my office. His wife was with him. His daughter, she's in a stroller. Dave, that daughter is about to go off to college. 
Correct. She is supplying the universities right now. Oh. Hopefully that's, downstairs in our house, actually working on it at this that's, moment. <laughs> that's just brutal. She was she was so cute, just a, a little one. And so Dave uh, and his wife, who was an adjunct for us, she taught some classes and uh, they just had a great family. And actually, when I left UL, Dave became the director of the School of Kinesiology. So it was uh, I knew it was in great hands. And Dave, we had a lot of fun uh, with our Kids on the Go program. Mm -hmm. Talk about flying by the seat of your pants uh on something and it was uh you me lisa broussard from nursing yep. uh and it was just i thought that was a great project because it really it really met a need i think in the community of we have overweight kids we have obese kids what can we do for them you know that's really um beyond just kind of the hospital inter intervention the medical side um, and I think that program is just highly replicable. You know, if people are interested, would you tell our listeners a little bit about the project and what we found? Sure. Um, so the project, uh, and, and some of my memory is a little fuzzy here because this was a little bit of time ago, but um, the project was designed to work with children and parents and the, the children had to meet certain criteria in order to be enrolled. Um, basically, the sort of the threshold was, I think, a BMI of around 35 was the, was the point that we used. Um, they would uh, come in we had uh, students and we had a couple of graduate students and some undergraduate students. They would work with the children. Uh, we, we used a motor development lab as the starting point. And then there was an indoor track in the building where we took the, the children upstairs to work on walking. And the parents would be in one of the classrooms down, you know, in the lower level while the children were in the building and they would be getting education on shopping, nutrition, uh, being more physically active with the you know, children kind of teaching some skills to the parents. Uh, it was really a neat program. I will say it was, it was, it was sort of, uh, inspiring and 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 sad all at the same time mm -hmm. uh charity i don't know if you remember this but there was one young man who was in that program who was 11 years old and I, i'll never forget this the day i die we took the children down the down the hall uh to go up the stairs and he stopped at the first step and uh I, you know i knew something was up so i, I had the, the graduate students take the rest of the children upstairs and i let him hang back for a second and i, I talked with him and uh, i said you know what's you know what's going on and he let me know that he did not want to walk up the stairs in front of the other children because he could not ambulate normally he couldn't mm -hmm. go right left right left in alternating steps he had to step up onto a step with both feet take a break and then step up onto the next step uh, and, and he really, you know, did not have the functional capacity to, to really handle one flight of stairs. Mm -hmm. And so the first day we were there, I basically worked with him on the stairs and, uh, and that was it. And we made it to the top of the stairs, uh, you know, and, and had a rest and then, you know, worked our way down the stairs and, and the, you know, the, the children upstairs were working on walking skills. Um, really heartbreaking, just heart-wrenching to watch that, that happen. Um, but then, you know, at the conclusion of the program, which was held over the summer, that young, that same young man had the capacity to ambulate up the stairs by himself, uh, with the rest of the children, and then could walk a few laps around the track by himself and even completed, a you know, one stage of the, of the fitness test we were using. Uh, and was just happier than, than happy mm -hmm. that uh, that's what had happened. And the parents were also extremely grateful. And 
you know, it, it, it's, I think the most incredible thing about these type of instances, and, um, and this is where universities, I think on the whole, universities need to, to take stock of this is, you know, this wasn't about grant funding. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really about a research paper. It was literally about the university being a steward of the best interest mm-hmm. of the community that surrounded the campus. Um, and it was a wonderful thing to be involved in. And I think universities need to do a little bit more of that just genuine, you know, honest work in the community, uh, you know, to be a to be a good resident of the community that they're in. But interestingly enough, that program got taken over by Women's and Children's Hospital. And when I left Louisiana, it was still running. Yeah, it still is. Yeah. And I remember that young man vividly. Uh, it would be hard to forget. And uh, I actually saw our friend Lisa Broussard a couple of weeks ago. I'm having dinner with her this Saturday night. And uh, every time I see her, she laughs and she says, can you believe our little program is still mm-hmm. going? And uh, Women and Children's is, is doing a great job with it. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. But you know, I think that what you said is so important is that sometimes we get in so big of a rush that we forget just that, that community, that community. And you know, they talk, we, it's all about service. They talk about service, but sometimes this service is different. This service is really, it's real. And you know, you impacted that child. Mm-hmm. You know you did. Your time was well done, even if that was the only one, which we know it isn't. It to me, it's well worth uh, that changing one life. So great job, you two, and I'm I'm excited that y'all started something that's continuing on. You just passed the torch, right? Hey, but I got to be honest with you, buddy. Mm-hmm. I only got in on the first meeting because Lisa called and said, "Hey, do you want to go to this meeting with me at Women and Children's? They're serving breakfast." I said, oh, "Yeah, I, okay. I'll, I'll go." I didn't even know what the topic was. And, you know, it was a great breakfast. And, but then we had to pay attention because it was like, yeah, wow, this is a great opportunity. Well, and it, it, there's no doubt that doing something and you made a difference in that child. And I, I mean, it, it's, it's always known on the show that I always cry. I'm going to be honest with you. Had a little tear coming up there because knowing that you made a difference in a child makes a huge, huge difference in my heart. Um, and it, what a, what a great experience. So I'm glad it's continuing. And I'm sure there's other stories that we just don't know about right now. This is a time of the show that I always get a chance to ask people that, and, and honestly, Dave, people don't always like this question because, you know, I, I used to say, hey, name three people that were influential in your career. Name one person. No matter what number I put on it, there was always something that somebody said, I'm going to leave somebody out. So I'm going to be honest with you. You can ask, you can answer and, and talk and give a shout out to as many people as you'd like. The biggest thing is, I do think we need to say thank you to some people for our career. And apparently you have had a very, uh, very strong career and you're somewhere because of some people. So why don't you give us a kind of a, a list or whoever you want to name? Oh, goodness. Um, I, I do agree. It is challenging to do this because there are so many, many people that have touched my life over the years. But um, I guess uh Starting back at the beginning, I, I think I owe the greatest debt of gratitude professionally to, to anybody be to Dr. Ellen Glickman from Kent State University. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I, when I had first decided I was going to go back and be a, PA, be a PhD student, I was actually going into to curriculum and instruction at Kent mm-hmm. State University because I had thought I was going to start moving towards becoming a principal and, and seek a principal's license in Ohio to advance my career. And somehow or other, I connected with her. Um, and she is just the most energetic, enthusiastic person I've ever met in my entire life and changed my whole life trajectory and, and got me involved in, in exercise physiology. Uh, and it was just a wonderful person. 
uh, who I talk to on a regular basis still is still actively involved in my life and in a, in a mentoring role. So she, she's just incredible. Um, I'd say, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Larry Judge is another huge influence on me. The first time I ever talked to him, I was terrified. Um, I think my knees were shaking a little bit. I, I was a high school track and field coach. And at that point in time, uh, Larry was the associate head coach for the University of Florida and had just come off of what was probably one of the greatest coaching feats in the history of NCAA track and field. Uh, and I had to go talk to him about mentoring me on my USA track and field level three coaching certificate process um, at, a, at a conference, the National Throws Coaches Association that was, I think it was in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so I walked up there and got up the courage to talk with him. And uh, he was just so wonderfully warm and receptive and uh he's been a mentor to me ever since and has helped me at every step in my career um i I think uh charity has been another individual has been extremely influential uh she hired me first gave me my first faculty position which was huge because i didn't really know what i was going to do if i didn't have a job at that point in time uh but uh yeah i think uh charity taught me a lot about being a department head uh, Mm -hmm. which is ultimately the role that that i'm in now um and uh, so I'm extremely thankful to that. Um, you know, I, and there's been so many other people along the way that have, have uh, you know, given me little tidbits of information um, that, it, you know, but those, uh, you know, I think those are probably my three most critical individuals that I've come across so far. I think that's awesome. And I think that what it's interesting when you said that about the first person, you, that she changed your trajectory. And that's amazing. And I think to find We've had this storyline on a lot of different people that one person, either through a encouragement, a push, a modeling, whatever it was, made a huge difference in the direction that they would go the rest of their life. So I love hearing those stories. Um, and I know that there's so many times that you probably, you never know what, how you're impacting mm-hmm. people every day that you're, that you're in, involved with. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Hey, buddy, I got to tell you, when I hired Dave, we, we had to raise the bar. Oh. You know, he, he came in and was a, an absolute rock star. But, but you know, a, a high tide raises, raises all ships. And Dave was, a, uh, Dave was a high tide for us at UL. So I'm tell. infinitely grateful that he uh, accepted our, my job offer, which clearly made him independently wealthy as well. So with uh, his, his new family. So, all right, Dave, we're going to uh, kinesiology higher education, past, present, and future, buddy, you're up. I am. You know, we love to to do this little historical perspective because we know that different people sit and have a different view of the profession. So I'd love to know what what changes have you seen over your window of time that you've seen that's that's occurred in the profession? Uh, Sure. So I think in in terms of higher education, um, you know, I've seen the landscape evolved from, you know, you know, the very onset of when I was a student sitting out in an auditorium and, you know, having the turn to your left, turn to your right, one of you won't be here at the end of two years, uh, you know, to more of a performance-based model where we're, you know, tracking things like four, six-year graduation rate, paying attention to, you know, student success metrics and, uh, and, and for very good reason doing those things. Um, so I think I've noticed that within the, field of kinesiology, what I'm, I think I've been seeing most recently is a distinct interest from the community in our students, but um, particularly in ways that we can 
micro credential or stack credential our students to connect them better to the workforce. And so I think that's something that a lot of kinesiology programs are exploring now. And I think it's something valuable. We have and have been blessed for many years with extremely talented students that come through departments of kinesiology. Um, I, a lot of them come in with a particular focus, a program that they're interested in, but their, their desires evolve over time. And I think the community is starting to become more interested in, in employing them in the workforce. And we, you know, in higher education need to do the job of equipping them with the skills uh, necessary to take advantage of those. So I think that's the kind of the most like, higher level landscape type transition I've seen. Perfect. So Dave, how do you think we're doing currently, present day? Uh, you know, our numbers are continue to go up and up and, um, you know, well, overall in our departments, you know, we were talking a little bit with Larry last week about our pedagogy numbers are kind of, you know, always a little bit uh, worrisome. But so what, how do you think we're doing today, current day? Well, I think you hit on one particular topic of concern, which is that our, our pedagogy programs are struggling somewhat in, in many cases across the country or the programs have been closed. And that's something that we definitely need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, to be transparent, UNC Charlotte has never had a teacher preparation program in the department, which is kind of interesting because the department was originally called physical education. Mm, interesting. It's never had a, it was the physical education program for the university, but was not a physical education teacher preparation program. Um, I know that before I left Louisiana, something that Chuck Duncan and Ben Kern and I had worked on, who were faculty members there, was going back to the students and promoting the value of becoming a physical education teacher and, and reframing the narrative around, you know, uh, the profession mm -hmm. for the students. Uh, and that's something I think across the board for those of us who have that capacity, we need to be focused on. We need to be talking to the students about the viability of physical education as a career, the benefits of it, the, the value, and, and turning it into a positive. Um, I think some places it's been you know, kind of pushed down uh, for whatever reason, whether it's the, you know, the state going on or whether it's the campus talking about enrollment statistics, but it sort of has been diminished in some capacity. And we need to own that conversation and flip it on its head. Um, and for those of us who don't have programs, we need to be thinking about what are the ways that we can still connect our students to that that career uh, and, and trying to again champion that have value and it may not be necessarily directly through us but we can work with our compatriots and colleges of education and to, to sell the value and try and connect the students to that profession so where great, do you think great i'm sorry where do you think no. we're going to go the next 20 what's the next 20 years look like what do you think well i think we we're going to face some challenges in the next 20 years i think um you know, it, it, you, most of the programs have seen sort of a massive increase in enrollment from the, you know, 90s and, and into most recent times. But I think that's probably leveling off in most cases. And then going into 2026, we're going to face an enrollment decline in most states, um, some states potentially, at, you know, up to 15 percent uh, in terms of high school graduate enrollments. And so, where we're going in the next 20 years is looking at what value add. Do, do we have in our departments to sell the students on being one of our majors? Mm. What, what is our value add? Uh, and it's not all gonna be tied to, this is a way to go to PT school or a way to go to PA school. It's going to have to be different because mm. the landscape is gonna get a lot more competitive. It's gonna get more competitive in the next 10 years. 
Uh, and I also think that um, in particular, this pandemic has changed quite a bit about the way families are thinking about higher education. Mm. They're thinking about it from a more cost-focused basis. Uh, they're starting to ask different questions and they're starting to want different outcomes. And we have to be responsive to that. If we don't, we're going to get left behind. And so there is, there's a lot of work to do here to make sure that we're, we can protect that enrollment that we've fought so hard to grow in these departments. That's very good. All right, Dave. So we are going to go to some fun light. We're not going to worry about enrollment. We're not going to worry about white papers or anything like that. We are going to do some fun rapid fire questions. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, buddy. I, I'm excited to learn about Dave. I can't wait. Okay. I, I, you can't. Ready? I okay. got it. Let's go. So what was high school Dave like? High school Dave was uh, quiet not a particularly fantastic student, to be completely honest. Um, uh, uh, but I was kind of a homebody in high school. I didn't really, uh, you know, I wasn't a, I, I wasn't a partier. I wasn't, uh, you know, I had friends and, you know, hung out, but I, I was a pretty quiet high school student. Okay. What was the best advice your mom or dad ever gave you? That one's easy to answer. My parents instilled in me and my brother uh, the, the desire to do everything that we could, we focus on what our task is, do it the best way possible. Uh, and, you know, and, and just the value of hard work and the desire to do absolutely everything to our best capacity. They, mm -hmm. they instilled that in us, they modeled that behavior for us, um, and, and demonstrated to us the value of just staying focused and not being, not accepting a substandard effort only accepting the, the best effort that we could possibly put forward. Ooh, good advice. I'm sorry. Did we, did we grow up in the same house? That sounds like my house as a kid. You know what I mean? Wish we had a little bit more of that in the world. Mm -hmm. All right, Dave, favorite meal to eat or cook? Uh, favorite meal to eat is probably spaghetti and meatballs. Um, favorite meal to cook. I have a little wood fired pizza oven and I, I do enjoy oh, cooking pizzas and that. Nice. Not Mm. Tell us, uh, could you tell us about this, buddy? I'm sorry. I know there, it's rapid fire, it's supposed to be rapid fire. You, so what is you, every time? Is this like an outdoor? Yeah, thing? it's, it's, a, it's outdoor. It's not like a big built-in unit, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a stainless steel unit, but it, I mean, I go out there. I, I love tinkering with things. So I, I like going out there. I get my little fire going in it, watch it heat up, make the dough, spread it. You know, I love the idea of, you know, I love the process of getting the pizza into the oven, making sure that it doesn't stick on the pad, you know, oh. on the paddle, turning it. It's, just, it's a very labor intensive process, which I think is fantastic because it takes your mind off of everything else that can possibly be going on at that moment in time. So, Dave, how many pizzas can you cook at once? You know, I can do one at a time. Now, to feed my family, I usually have to make six or seven of them. So right. it, it takes a good, you know, it takes a good 45 minutes to an hour to get all those pies in and out of the oven. So, all right, Dave, real quick for our listeners, you are up to uh, a basketball team plus three subs. Is that right? Yeah, so I have, uh, we, we have eight children and a dog in our house. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a busy place. Um, and, and that's why you need a lot of pizza. We, we do mean, need a lot of pizza when we make pizza. Well, so. I was thinking maybe you need a second pizza cooker. Right. Absolutely. And that way you could, I don't know. Maybe there's mm -hmm. some, that's eight. That's, whew, I was thinking those, that was about just enough for two of us. <laughs> right. Really? Now, I absolutely uh, love homemade pizza. That is wonderful. But I just do mine on the grill. But I, I would, I love 
when someone does it in a serious pizza maker. I mean, there's nothing like it. It's just that wood. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That taste is tastes different. Okay, back to our story. Charity tends to get get us off on these. Sorry, on these Sorry, front. Buddy. We're supposed to be rapid fire. She just need, but we get fired up about food. So mm -hmm. that's okay. We do. We okay. do. Beach or mountains? Easy mountains. Oh, okay. All right. Favorite musician or band? Uh, probably Rush. I've always really liked Rush's music. Okay. All right. All right. Best book you've read lately? Hmm. Um, I, I'm not finished with it yet, but I'm reading a book by John Lombardi called How Universities Work. Um, which is really insightful. Um, it has a, it, it's, uh, I will say it is not necessarily a page turner, but uh, it has a lot of, it has a lot of really interesting perspectives in it. And I've, I'm going to guess that's the John Lombardi, former chancellor of LSU for, yes. for a while. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good for you. Why don't you send me the cliff notes version when you're done with that? All right, Dave, what it would be the perfect weekend for you? I think going back to that original theme would be probably skiing in the mountains. Mm, nice. Uh, Any particular mountains? Uh, preferably the Rockies, but uh, I'll pretty much take skiing anywhere I can get it. All right. Awesome. All right. Besides that pizza maker, is there any other chosen that any other profession you would have possibly chosen besides the profession you're in now? I think I could have probably easily stayed focused on coaching and, and uh, you know, had a career there. Um, yeah, I, I have a passion for it, still have a passion for it. Um, I could, and I could see myself doing it. Um, but uh, I'm super happy that I, I chose the profession that I did. And Dave, that's, that's interesting you'd say that because honestly, when I left public school, I, I loved coaching. Mm -hmm. And when I came to higher ed, I left coaching behind. And that is the one thing, if I were to say, that I miss. And there's, not, there's nothing like coaching. The coaching world, the coaching, the people. Talk about the people that you get to hang with, uh, other coaches in the profession, wonderful things. So I'm, I'm with you on that coaching as answer. All right. All right, Dave, we are at the point in our show where we play a little game with our friends. It's two truths and a lie. We play this game in honor of our friend, Cam Kirst. You'll, you'll get to meet Cam in person at the uh, summit. She looks very sweet and innocent, but if you play this game, you will learn something about Cam. So you're going to tell us three statements about you. Two of those will be true, and one of them will be a lie. And Sandra and I have to work together, right, buddy? Buddy? Sorry. Nope. It's okay. I'm not going to work with you. No, I told you not. earlier. Okay. So I'm we're going not. To write down. I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to see. Clearly, okay. I read the last time we did this. Mm -hmm. I took you away from the correct answer. So I need, I, I'm sorry. I'm okay. going to try. I'm going to listen right. to it. We're, we're going to really try very hard, but Dave has said he's, he is ready. He is he, prepared. Now, I know that's, that concerned me a little I know. bit because yeah. it was like he brought game here. He and did. He, this he's, is, yeah. Okay. Seriously. All right, time. Dave. Okay. So we're ready and we're going to write it down. You're, are, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right, go. All right. Number one. I never took a kinesiology or exercise science course until I was in doctoral studies. Number two, I have eaten the paw of a bear. Oh, that's not true. Okay. Number three, I have served a term as the president of an organization. Okay, the third one was what now? You've I've served, served a term as a president of an organization. Okay. 
So buddy, are we not talking this out like we always do? Nope, I'm not talking because if I do, I mess you up. Okay, so okay, we're just I, gonna- I, I'm gonna go ahead and say, okay, number one, I think that that is true. I do too. I think, I think one I is too. true. True. Because he said earlier, yeah. I wouldn't have known that if I had really been listening to this podcast. Direct, he, he said something about that he, this was when his direction changed. Right. And plus Remember? we read his Vita. So we had kind of an unfair advantage. Uh, we, we, that's true. We, we, we've read his Vita. That's okay. True. So buddy, what about number two, the paw of a bear? Well, I'm listen, really sad. Okay, wait, but listen, he is, he said he's a mountain man. Okay. This is, so this is where I'm going to throw you off because these are tricky, but he likes Matt. And look, I told you the last time somebody took me hiking, the reason mm-hmm. they took me hiking in Montana I do was because this. I was the slowest one. Slowest. Because yeah, it was, just, and bear right. stuff was on the trail. Yep. yep. And so I You just see, have to be faster than one person in the group. That's it. And I was the slow one. And they, yep. they took me. So here, I do think that the paw of a bear, that's chance. That's, that's I, I think, so sad though. What happened but, to the bear? Why would you have to eat its paw? Okay, that's a different story. Can we keep stay stay focused here? Okay, I think that's possible. I, but I also think he's served. He's he's done some great things. Yeah, I don't know, buddy. I just really hope this bear thing's not true. Okay, you need to um, get past the bear. Go to number three. Okay. Is has he been president uh, of an organization? Has he been? Surely. I mean, okay. surely. Right? He is a leader. He is. He is a I know. Built that's what I'm saying. Leader. But I think this one, I think there's a trick here because we're, we ate know, the paw of the bear. I do. I think, but see, I did this last time to you. Okay. You need to go with your spirit, what you feel. I'm going right. to, I'm, I'm saying out. number three, number three is the, is the, the lie. Number three, buddy, are you, you want to, you want to choose number? Okay. I'm else? Right. I chose three and you I did. clear. Yes. I did. Okay. So we're, we we're, agree. Yes. But I thought you were going with two. I really want that to be the lie. But I think you that's what you were going to go with. Well, I want it to be, but I also want to win. Okay. Well, look, Dave, right. please get us out of this. We're voting for number three, Dave. Number three is correct. Yay! We won, buddy. We did it. We won. Wait, and we that means to... you ate the paw of a bear. Yes. Why? I told you that was possible. In the Carpathian oh. Mountains in Romania, bear paw is a delicacy. And oh. on one of my travels to Romania with one of the delegations, I was served bear paw as a special honor. Um, wow. I guess you couldn't ask to be not honored in that way, huh? No, it was very surprising when it came out, mm. too. Um, mm. But it was one of those moments where you just had to make it through. Mm. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Well, listen, buddy, let me just say, Dave hasn't been the president of an organization that yet, yet, yet. yet. We know that that is coming. Right. And let's yes. just hope there are no more bear paws in his future. Now, listen, I will not turn down a bear claw, you know, buddy, the one that comes yeah. in the plastic wrap. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm just saying a bear claw, I can get on board with that, but the paw, oh, bless that poor little bear's okay. heart. Was it any good? Was it? No, no. It was, uh, yeah, same. Okay. Okay. I, I will Gaming. save the listeners of your podcast the okay. details, but the answer was no. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Honestly, I, and buddy, okay. you know what we, you know what we can leave the listeners with to end what? on a happy, a happy Let's, food note. Please, please do. Uh, before we started the show, we were just visiting with Dave, and we were all three 
just reminiscing and telling great stories about what a wonderful friend and cook Kathy Hill is. So it's it's great to have those Louisiana roots, Dave. I, I know you got to spend many great years with Kathy as well. So absolutely love her. I'm not I'm not from Louisiana, but I love Kathy Hill and I love her cooking. So come on. What's that? We need to have a we need to have a get together. Well, we do. We absolutely and where do. where could that next get together be? How about Orange Beach in April? How this was supposed to you, I was supposed to have sent you. Oh, up for the oh wait. Summit. Oh no, no, no. The oh, summit. Birmingham. Okay, Birmingham. thank you. We'll go thank there you. first. Okay, and then we'll go to was, Orange Beach. You missed the That's, whole I laid it. Oh, up. that was a softball. I, I did. I gave it. That right was a to softball. You. I really wasn't sure where you wanted to go. I mean, so, Dave, do you want to do you, would you like to be a podcast person and take Would you like to be the co-host of the show, Dave? <laughs> no, no you, you all are doing awesome at this. Um I, I don't think this is really with my skill set. <laughs> oh, well, I'm pretty sure it's not maybe an hour's no, either. But it isn't. Dave, we have had a great time visiting with you today. It's even though it's still Zoom, it's great to see you and hang out. And th- just thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for being co-editor of the NAHPL journal. We're so excited. Well, I just thank you all for inviting me on the show. I had a wonderful time chatting with you all. And, and I am so excited about the Academy and Summit and the Journal. You, you have no idea. It is just, it, it's a wonderful organization. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I'm just very thankful that I'm able to participate. Well, and we're thankful to have you. And maybe if Kathy Hill is listening, she might want to make some spaghetti and meatballs. Correct. A little, dry, little dry ice, take that to FedEx and ship it out. Hey, Charlotte. I'm always, not that far. always open for some spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, I'm sure my kids would be oh, too. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it is killer. Kathy Hill does killer spaghetti and meatballs. Buddy, you gave me a softball and I missed it. I'm going to, okay. uh, I'm, I'm swinging for the fence right now. And I want to remind our listeners that the, uh, we are so excited to have the health and physical literacy summit back in Birmingham in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, February 13th through 15, 2022. We cannot wait to see people in person. That's going to be the very best part. Registration information is available at nahpl.org, or you can just Google the National Academy of Health and Physical Literacy. Go to the website for more information. Buddy, what a great day. It's been a great day. Thank you. Yep. Now now, now I'm hungry. I've got to go find me some spaghetti. That's what we do. Dave, thanks again for your time. It's been great talking with you. Thank you all so much. Thank you. All right. To our listeners, have a great week. We will see you next time.